0: Grow Great is a city government leadership podcast with Lisa Norris and me, Randy Cantrell. Each week, we share insights, experiences, and wisdom to help you and your leadership grow great. Our website is growgreat.com.
1: Well, we've talked a lot about city government leadership, the very title of the podcast for our Grow Great. But we've really not had an episode focusing on how do you do that? Our ours have been topic specific, right, Randy? We have focused on, you know, humility or knowledge or right. uh corrective action or whatever. We've
0: danced all around it.
1: We have. We have. <laughs> but what are we what are we doing in our cities to actually move the needle with a specific specific targeted goal? Like a specific action to move start moving that needle. Well,
0: and I would add, you know, or Are you doing anything that is, I don't love the word, but I'm going to use it kind of programmatic, something that is sustainable, some initiative. That's not a one-off, right? Right. So, okay, we're going to get some guy or gal in here and they're going to hold forth and it's going to be great and wonderful. And then next Tuesday comes, which is my metaphor for reality. And they've forgotten everything and nothing sticks, but is there anything that is a program that we're committing to, we're committing to this and really kind of what sparked this conversation is I asked Lisa in my experience with, with city government, it's just not that common in my experience Mm -hmm. for an organization. And quite frankly, I will tell you, it's not common in the private sector either, uh, for an organization to give so much focus to growing existing leaders no matter where they are up and down the chain and to help foster the growth of emerging leaders or people that leadership looks at these people and thinks, you know, we think they've got the stuff. We think they're the right fit. We think that they should be given an opportunity to be the next, the next in line. And what are we going to do to invest in them? Because we're all so busy. We, We talk about it every show. It seems like the pace is so fast. The workload is so intense and that those and to- constant,
1: yeah, those then, to- you don't those, have ebb and flows.
0: No, those to-do lists are just like the never ending conveyor belt of activity and things that have got to be accomplished and they've got to get done, be done on time. Uh, many of them, especially in the HR, I mean, there's, there's legalities and there's dots that must be I's, it must be dotted T's it have to be crossed. And there can't be any negotiation about any of that. And we're not minimizing any of that, but alongside that, we got humans that are doing this work mm-hmm. and we've talked, we talked about being thrown in the deep end of the pool and not, you know, not having any training, not having anybody help us figure these things out. And so many of us, I think, sadly, our experiences are, are rather common that we got thrown in and we figured it out. And those who succeeded, we learned how to swim. We learned how to swim in the leadership pool and those who didn't. Okay. Well, sorry, they didn't make it. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes. And we, I think what you have to, you have to focus on as a leadership team, as a city, um, from the top down is what do you, what do you need and what are you going to do about it? So, in our world, I'll tell you what we did and now what we're doing because they're completely different. So for many years back in 2003, we went under Tom Hart, our former city manager. He wanted a program specific to Grand Prairie. Okay, so and this is gonna be important because the goals are different. He wanted a program about how to lead in Grand Prairie, how to do the business, how to do the functions, to teach them so when they come on board, they know how to lead. And so back in the day, again, 2003, this, we created what was called, uh, Grand Prix Management Academy. It was for crew leader up to executive, uh, and it really focused on, we had, we started with like 11 classes, dialed it down to about nine or 10, I think ultimately over time. And that ran many, many years. And it was genuinely the how to, how do you do, um, purchasing what are bonds what give are us a, you know,
0: give us a quick overview of what that looked like i mean so and how that was done
1: yeah the class um we usually had 50 in the class at a time it was i don't know eight to nine classes ultimately we had an employment law class it taught you all about it didn't teach you in depth in the law it just taught you hey there's fml hey there's uh employment law and eeoc and um you know you have insurance requirements that we we can get in trouble for saying things that we're not supposed to say and um and so we would teach about the law about flsa which is your wage and hour you know how to pay them properly in right. private i mean in public sector um then we had um
0: so this was classroom kind of
1: it was all classroom instructor okay. taught by our people okay. so we didn't bring in external people except for maybe one or two classes we um We had a uh, team team building class that you know a disc assessment. I'm sure many people listening know the disc assessment. Mm -hmm. So we did kind of what kind of what everybody was doing in some form. And this was
0: once a week. This was no, it was
1: it it was once a month. It was a class once a month over nine or ten months. Okay, and uh, got it took them forever to graduate because we only offered the classes once a year. Just because you know this is your CFO teaching the finance your procurement procurement uh, manager, HR and legal and CMO teaching the employment law class. So high level people within our organization that were good instructors. We tried to make sure it was very interactive. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just teaching in a lecture. We did about every 10 minutes we had an activity so that they'd understand what they were doing and they practice it. Uh, And the classes were all about three hours a piece, right?
0: And were people assigned to these classes or could people sign up for them or how did that work?
1: uh, They were assigned um, when they came on, we would look at them. No, we'd, we'd offer it up for any new leaders. Um, The problem is they only had to go through it once. So once they have been through it, they could go forever and not ever get updates. Right. And then we found over four or five years, some people are still missing three classes, never graduate because they can't, they don't attend. We're offering it one time they're on vacation the next year. They're sick, you know, and they just never, I mean, we are following up. We got about 430 people through it over time. We have about 160 leaders, right? But about mm-hmm. a lot of leaders through it over time when you're considering 50 in a class at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a how-to, how to recruit, how to do a performance evaluation, how to lead a team, right? Just base, the basic, right, right. how to communicate. Um, you know, it was very basic how to do purchasing, how to do finance, how to send a requisition through. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was all these how to's. Well, when Steve died, he's our current city manager. Uh, he's been in there since uh, October of 2021. Um, one, we, we started doing goals as an organization. Many of you may have been doing goals for years. We had them all in our departments, but he changed it to we're, we're sending goals citywide And we communicate those goals in our plan, right? Um, So each department's goals that we've been doing all along, we now roll them up and you pick five or seven or however many you want to focus on. And so we're doing that as a a leadership team now that it's stated and when we're going to get things done by. Um, So not really different uh, than we had been doing, but it's more collective uh, as a whole and commitment, you know, more visible, I guess I should say. Okay. So one of the things that we had told him is I said, you know, I just don't think GPMA, it's just a how-to, and we are not really getting to the things that we need to be teaching them, which is how to lead well. How do you lead well? Not just, you can call purchasing and figure out how to, how to procure something. You can right. call HR and handle a disciplinary issue in that moment. We're going to teach you that uh, and work with you on that. That's not what they needed to know. What they need to know is how to create a culture of leadership to influence change, to make the teams absolutely high performing, empowered, and uh, basically strong, you know, it's from the lowest level to the highest level, uh, teaching that they're all equally important. It doesn't matter if you're the director or the, the field crew on the golf course. I mean, it just doesn't, often our front lines have so much more knowledge than even at the top than influence because they're the ones interacting with the citizens and doing the work that can tell us what needs to change. Right. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So uh, when I, when I talked to our city managers team and said, listen, what's important to you, I want to change this. I I don't think this is effective anymore. I'd really like to get rid of it, and I had talked to my team. This isn't when I say I; it's not really Lisa. It was our collaborative leadership team in HR that we agreed this isn't working. We want to do something different. But I said, let me talk to city manager's office. What do you guys want? Well, Cheryl, my boss, uh, she's a deputy city manager. She, she said, I really want a, a mentorship is huge. We need to we need to teach them not only how to mentor but how to influence pe- people. Right? They need somebody by their side that's safe that they can grow from, learn, ask questions. And there's no judgment. It's truly got their best interest at heart. So that was her focus. Steve, our city manager, Steve Dye, very similar. He wanted to impact change, but he said, I just, I want them to know how to lead well. You know, you really, we needed them to know how to lead and and make a difference in their people and create strong teams. And then, um, you know, I talked with the other two that we have a DCM now um, and the ACM wasn't there at the time, but the other DCM said, you know, I just want us to have a little bit of fun. It's worthwhile. It's, it's not how to's it's, it's how to lead. So we all had this same vision. What I love most about our city, because they could have easily said, this is what we want you to do. And they didn't. They said, Lisa, can you create something? You've got a teaching background, which I do. I've done curriculum, you know. um, And I said, yeah, I can do it. I need to think on it. And so we went through several iterations. This was not overnight. Uh, It we worked on this for probably nine months of getting, and it started out as a how-to. So as I started brainstorming with my staff, they're like, "Well, we need we need to teach them employment law. We need to teach them." And I said, "You know, but do we? I mean, they can. They're not going to remember that. They're they're what they need to know is how to lead with integrity and humility." And then you and I talked, and I'm like, "Man, you, you had that leadership. You know, the humility." Curiosity, knowledge, understanding, compassion, and you showed me that, and it just clicked. I'm like, that is what we need to teach. Which ultimately became our leadership recipe. You had been teaching that for years, or talking about it for many, many years. We just kind of formalized it. What we called the leadership recipe because the ingredient we we equated it to ingredients. Um, So, so for the listeners, this was not a Lisa (laughs) Norris. This was a Randy. He had already been teaching this, and it just clicked as we talked. I'm like, let's teach that and now how how do we teach it um so as we as we develop this content um and how we wanted then it was how do we impact change and and to give the listeners a flavor what i didn't want is so many of us as you all know go to conferences you get all kinds of knowledge for three days you walk out the door at the end either stuff goes in the trash or in a folder and you're done You went, you got great knowledge, but you really, so many people don't do anything with that. They just come back, great knowledge, might might have learned a couple of things, might be applying a couple of things, but what is the impact over time that is sustainable? And I would venture to guess that out of a conference, there's not a lot. We might get an idea, we might implement an idea, but how long did that sustain through the course of time to make a change and a difference that made you better? I didn't want that. Uh, I wanted something that would last and truly have a long lasting impact on those that participated. And my theory, and ultimately CMO agreed, is a very small, intimate class. I said, this isn't just for everybody to participate in and we run everybody through and we have a number in mind, that is not this. They have to be nominated. They either have to be an up and comer, a current leader, Or um, it could, we even had a director in there that was a new director that wanted to go. Um, And we focused on what we called the leadership recipe. So as we developed course content, we had a couple of different things. And I'm giving you this as an example because you all in leadership in your cities, you're gonna have to figure out what works for you. Where is the need? Where are the gaps? And what do you need in your culture, you may have been doing something like this for years and it's a different issue that you need to address. So you're going to have to look at this. But I would tell you, you need to have something that is sustainable. It is not going to be a one and done. And you need to keep your pulse on it to make sure what do we need to change to make it better. So what we did, the, the component that I found that was really unique to this that I haven't seen anybody else do, and it may be out there. I just didn't come across it when I was doing my research. We had a group mentorship component we added. So we have taught the leadership recipe. We did it kind of in the format of like this, or kind of like a pod podcast type format, Randy, where we had conversation around the topic. Mm-hmm. We would pose, they were less than probably six minutes. These were uh, videos. Vi- videos that we recorded and had a script. We would ask two questions in each video that focused on um, the... Small group discussion. We wanted very small groups of three to four people in in each class. So we had um, a total, I believe, of about 25 people in the class that included the coaches um, or the mentors that we had picked. Our mentors were some of our directors. um, And we had some lower level mentors, like my assistant director was in there. um, And...
0: So we you have what nine or ten nine or ten mentors or more? Yeah,
1: I think it was I think the first class it seemed like it was about seven or eight just because okay. of the size of the class. We yeah, had yeah. 19 participants and okay. you have two or three to a to a mentor. Um, so we put this together. we did our our leadership recipe, which is humility, um, humility, curiosity, knowledge understanding and compassion. That was the premise of what we called our leadership recipe. And each week we do or not each, each session, we did this one, one class every three to four weeks uh, to a total of, I think it was seven classes because we had a welcome and then we had a graduation. Um, But ultimately we taught that leadership recipe and that component. Then they discussed it in the small groups. We discussed it as a class as a whole. Then we had activities, Uh, I call it reinforcement activities. So we did activities after that video.
0: This was for each, this was for the audience, this was for each video. So for each video, which was 10 minutes long, they were standalone kind of things that were curriculum that helped the mentor. So the mentor didn't have to just, well, I I don't know what we're going to talk about today.
1: Yeah, very similar. If any of y'all have been out there, some of our listeners, we have a Walk the Talk on YouTube um, that we've published. It's called Walk the Talk. And they're really quick topics with two questions that you can lead in a small group. You can do yourself. Um, Our purpose was to allow it to be passed down through the organization. That was one of the key concepts here is it doesn't necessarily always have to be led by me. It can be something that can be passed down through the organization and sustain itself with a good moderator. Um, so we do the, we do that video, that specific content, the questions, we then do a reinforcement activity and that helped them practice it. So if it was, uh, humility, we would do an activity that they had to experience what humility looked like. If it was curiosity, as an example, curiosity was the second one we had them bring in, um, we called it my precious, my, my precious, you know, from, I don't remember what movie <laughs> that was from. We had them bring in one item really important to them and they couldn't tell their, their group, their small group of three or four, why it was important. They had to ask questions. And the whole premise was you learn to ask better questions to get better answers. And you, you don't want to always just be telling people you need to be asking questions as a leader to understand understand why that was important to them. So that was a great activity that each person and one of them um, brought in a yearbook, which seems from my school, so you're thinking, Oh, it's a yearbook. They had a great time in high school. And they're like, did this have to do with your great experience in high school? And they were like, Nope. And they're like, okay, did it have to do with a person in your high school? Yes. Well, ultimately as they ask questions, they go, was this person close to you? Yes. Is this person still here today? No, they had taken their life in high school, their best friend. And so tears were shed, but you immediately bonded, right? These are very powerful lessons. Uh, And our focus was on that, that through these small groups, not only are you building a mentor's relationship with mentees, we instructed the mentees and the mentors, we're going to teach you the concepts in class. We had a mentorship moment at the last 30 minutes of class. The mentors would discuss with them what's going on in your real life that applies to what we've learned today. How are you going to apply that over the next three weeks till the next class? And we gave them journals. Each of them, the the participants and the mentors had journals and they keep notes for each other and practice follow-up. I'm going to follow up. How did it go this week? You said you were having trouble with your team. What have you done? If they didn't do anything, the mentors say, well, you need it. We need to handle that. So what is going to be your next step and when? And they just kind of walked through very powerful um, engagement with one another and building of relationships and trust. Um, so much longer lasting. Uh, we also had a book called Leadership Matters. It has little, maybe three or four pages, very simple read that we would assign for some of the classes and discuss. And it again, reinforced the concept in a different way. And then um Outside of class, we had we had these podcasts that you guys are listening to, just like this one, that also support those concepts. So you would see uh, the Humility podcast, the Curiosity podcast. And we mentioned that in the course content, not to promote us, Randy and Lisa, but to support what they have learned and hear practical experiences that Randy and I have been through or that our listeners have proposed uh, and thrown out to us. And we talk about those things so they can actually hear it. And then they can either call us, they can call their mentor. Uh, So it was just a support mechanism to reinforce the ideas presented in class. Um, Through that group mentorship, so this went on about, uh, I think it was, um, I think it lasted about six, seven months by the time it was said and done. That first series, which we started in um, May of last year, ended in November. So that gives you the time frame. Uh, 19 participants the rest were mentors about 25 total Uh, we took a survey at the end from both the mentor perspective and the mentee perspective end result 93 percent said they would absolutely recommend this and we had phone calls immediately when I posted the next one saying I heard from field guys Uh, we had one of the um, was a parks uh, theater coordinator he wrote to us in the city manager's office, thanked people individually for his growth. He had never experienced anything like that before and asked if he could serve as a mentor this time, which he is. We had a director that said he's never experienced anything of growth like he did in this series. So those are powerful because we as directors are exposed to a lot, right? We we experience a lot and can grow easily. And for people to tell us that this had so much power and influence to make them grow themselves and help them grow their people that it's transferable, which is exactly long-term creates sustainability of a program. Now the good news is we're starting the next one. We just met yesterday and we're adding to it. So we've looped uh, Randy in and he had, we met with all the mentors first, which we didn't do last time to help them understand their role And to get them to bond as a team together uh, with trust and psychological safety very much vulnerability the exercise was amazing i think every person including you randy we had to get kleenexes where it was very tearful and powerful and this wasn't just a you know i don't want you thinking oh my god everybody was crying far more powerful than that at the end of the day it was human yeah um, and I think they all grew from that experience of as mentors as a as a bond. And now they can see how they can influence others as well. Well, and for uh,
0: context, without giving away identity, I mean, just give people an idea, a sense of the the roles that people played. And by the way, there was never a discussion yesterday. You know, we all met for a couple of hours, uh, a little over. And there was never a discussion about roles. There was never a discussion about your position. But just to give our audience some context, like what kind of roles were in that room? Because it went from director level to whatever.
1: Yeah. So we had some um, superintendents uh, in parks, we had directors involved, we had assistant, deputy city manager, we had a theater. Manager, the one that I mentioned that was in the class prior and asked to mentor, so he can give back. He said he felt, um, I forgot his word, Randy, but he he basically felt he absolutely needed to give back because of what he. Yeah, he
0: wanted from. to pass it forward.
1: Pass it forward, and so, um, but there basically we had a kind of a mix of mid-level leaders up to directors to the city manager's office included, uh, and we never once talked about titles. Never do we say, tell us your role, how long you've been with the city. None of that. We didn't do any of that because that didn't matter. What we wanted was what we taught him is you need to empower, teach, and mentor those around you and serve them so they can become better. And hopefully you will grow from this as well. Uh, And I think they all experienced that uh, yesterday through everything that we talked about. And the whole uh, theory—I think you've heard our story before, but Randy, tell them you're—you know—the starfish. I mean, that—that was the whole premise, and we talked about it again yesterday. It's—you don't have to impact this massive uh, entire city for change, but you can. Well, I mean, look
0: at—just look at the number. I mean, the number that you mentioned of your first—and I'm not throwing rocks at the first initiative. Come on, this is—we're all learning and figuring this out. But the first initiative, you know, I think you mentioned over 400 people. I mean, she just told you they they invested six, seven months, and there was twenty five. Yeah, and I know what you're thinking out there. You're thinking, well, how's that going to make a difference? Um, a guy named Lauren, maybe it's Isley, not sure how she pronounces her last name, and other than that, I know nothing about her. But she wrote. A starfish parable, I guess a long, I don't know. I, I came across it a number of years ago and it resonated with me because it's just how I'm wired. Now, not everybody's wired this way. And so I don't want you to, I don't, I don't want to misunderstand, but I was just telling the group to give them some context about this whole notion of scope and scale. Keep in mind, the name of the city is Grand Prairie and the name of the program is grow me grand. Grow me grand. Mm-hmm. And so. A little bit of a play on that. I said, we all want to do something grand. We all want to do something that man, the scope and the scale is magnificent. But most in my experience, most of the magic that happens, most of the magic that has happened for me, thanks to older, wiser heads that shared wisdom was not some big man- magnificent thing. I have told the story here about a manager that I had many years ago when I was Sixteen, seventeen. Don Stoffel and Don pulls me into, you know, a storeroom in a, in a brand new opening of a retail store in a mall where I had referred to an older gentleman as guy. I said, Don, this guy's looking for X, Y, Z. Don went on and he helped the gentleman, but he pulls me in the office. He pulls me in the stock room sometime later. And he said, Randy, our customers aren't guys. They're gentlemen, and I'm like, duh. Yeah. Okay, well, there's nothing scope and scale of such a lesson. You can think, well, that's not profound, but that was, you know, pushing fifty years ago,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I, I've re, I've remembered it every day of my life since. So it had a it it had stickability. <laughs> it stuck. Mm -hmm. And that's what Lisa and them are chasing. The starfish story is is pretty simple. Little boys out on the beach has, the waves have washed ashore thousands of starfish, and if they're not in the water, they're going to die. Sun's coming out. He's throwing these back into the ocean. One at a time, old man spots him and says, son, what are you doing? He said, I'm saving these starfish, sir. Well, man, kid, there are thousands of these starfish. You know, you can't possibly make a difference. And the little boy picks up another starfish throws it in the ocean and says, it made a difference to that one. And that's what this initiative that, that Lisa city is trying to do is make a difference to that one, because here's what they know to be true. And here's what I know to be true. And I would encourage you to learn that this is truth, that if you do make a difference for one, you will make a difference for many. That's right. Because these things just they work exponentially. I mean, think of it as a as a really great high value pyramid scheme. One person affects so many. The head count including police and fire in Grand Prairie, Texas is what, Lisa? Oh, it runs about
1: 1750 to 1800.
0: So, let's call it let's call it 1750 and I don't know if we, if we assume an average family, even if we assumed an average family of three, that's over 5,000 people. And that's just the employees. We're not counting the citizens, which is over 200,000. That's not counting, um, outside vendors that may be beyond the scope and scale of our businesses of Grand Prairie, Texas mm -hmm. and the, and the businesses and, You know, so you, you can easily see how this ripple effect works. Grand Prairie, the city of grand Prairie, Steve Dye, the city manager and his executive, they, they understand that. And I just don't think that that can be underplayed or understated that the number of 25 people in a room, or as we had yesterday, you know, 10 or 12, it's not about that. It's about, can these people make a, make a difference? You've got people in your life and maybe nobody knows their name, but they had a profound impact on you and there's no escape in that. So this isn't about, can you get up in front of a whole big group of people? Because we all know, statistically speaking, everything that I've ever read, the number is below 2%. We go and we see somebody. Speak and maybe they do a great job. Maybe they're highly entertaining. Maybe the material is, is terrific. Statistically speaking, less than 2% of the people in that audience are ever going to do anything with what they learn from that speaker. It's just reality because my metaphor for ordinary stuff hitting us in the face is next Tuesday. Next Tuesday does it happens next Tuesday comes. I forgot about what this cat told me last right. Thursday, right? it all goes out the window. And so this program is designed to not be that this program is designed to, we want this to have such a profound effect, like mm-hmm. Don Stoffel pulling me in that stock room and saying, he's not a guy, he's a gentleman. Right.
1: right. Yep. So the, you know, ultimately that's, that's what we're trying to make a difference is not teach the how to's we figure they can get the how to's by calling somebody and picking up the phone, um, of, of
0: of procedural, procedural,
1: yes, procedural, this is about the better leader
0: and you and I both know that in the moment that they need to know that and they learn it, then that's going to have a higher stick, a sticking factor anyway.
1: That's right.
0: I need to know it right now. We teach them beforehand when they first start and they're like, okay, well, it might be, it might be months before they ever need to do that.
1: Yeah. And, and it's it's so important because this group mentorship concept, you know, we, we debated this. Cheryl and I debated it, um, you know, of how can we make this work where it's not a one on one, it's a one to several. Um, but we found through the through asking the participants, they benefited from the conversation. Once it was deemed to be safe, they benefited from the conversation of the group. And most I can't think of a group that didn't go as a group. When they, because we told them, you know, do stuff outside of this. This is intended to be a long-lasting relationship that you can rely upon, and and we didn't follow up. We didn't tell the mentors you have to go to lunch at least once in between sessions, um, but we did encourage them. It is not just about showing up for class and participating only there. This is intended to be longer lasting. So figure out what works for your group, and uh, and you all know, the listeners. I'm sure there were some that didn't engage. There always are. Even That's in right. a small group, there are some, and we've seen that, the two that were heavily impacted wanted to give back and are now mentors for the next class. How much, time would you,
0: how much time would you say was committed by the participants, including the curriculum, the class itself, and the exercises of that, and then anything outside of that? How much time in a given month would you say the average group might have committed to this?
1: four probably four hours four hours a month
0: average an hour a week yeah to grow people
1: yep and then um and we're, what we're, we're looking at now is i told um you know i told the uh group that we're trying to figure out now uh, i call it mentorship moment carried on right. um where we can become available just have maybe we're on the calendar 30 minutes um Once a week, every two weeks, we haven't quite lined it out yet that any current participants and former participants can call on that given day. And it's probably gonna be over lunch, which will be the easiest because everybody has to eat that can call us and say, Hey, I've got a question on something I'm dealing with and need guidance. And you have several mentors, doesn't have to be all of them that are available on the call. And we can put them into small groups, you know, on zoom, you can just do a breakout room and help them answer those questions and then hop off. So we're looking at that ongoing, but of course, that's um, relatively challenging to figure out what will work with field guys that are in the field Mm -hmm. uh, versus those in the office. So we're trying to kind of figure out what that looks like and haven't yet, but the group is interested. They were like, that would be helpful to have a standing so we know we can call because um, one thing we do find is people, they don't want to, especially us as executives, um, for some reason, the employees just, they don't want to bother us. They say, you guys are so busy. We see how busy you are. And although we tell them we're never too busy to help, uh, there's still a perception that they just don't want to bother us. Well, they don't want
0: to. Out of respect
1: for time. Yeah.
0: That's right.
1: So, anyway, but that's that's what we're doing here for sustainability. And, and I, we thought it was just worth a quick conversation. Think about in your organization, what are you doing to move the needle? Are you, do you truly have a program that's a how to, or are you actually growing better leaders? Um, through the soft skills and through encouragement. Um, And is it safe or is it a corrective, you know, is everything a corrective measure? Um, Because that's not going to be safe and that's not going to get you where you want to go. If there's always a, we just need to do this. It's also not going to work if you're a leader that's telling them how to do it. I want this, I want this and this, because then the humility is not opening up to all the ideas that might be out there that somebody perceives to exist that you need to consider. What do you all want? What would make, where are our gaps on leadership right now? Do we have bench strike? Do, again, our leadership recipe works for us. They could work for you. We'll get them, we're posting them on YouTube um, so that you can see them and and listen to them and use them if you want. It's not specific to Grand Prairie. And like I said, there's you know, six to 10 minutes uh, with a couple questions posed. It won't be the whole class. But at least you can have the dialogue on these if you wish to use them. And that was another thing that I told Randy I wanted to do. Not only do I want to help those in Grand Prairie, I want to serve you and your teams out there that might, you might not have the resources. Small cities don't have the resources to create content. They might not have a marketing team that can record a video and produce it. And I wanted to give to our other cities that say, at least this is a tool we can use that could help us start the process may not be exactly what we want, but it's a a conversation starter. And then you can develop beyond that. Um, We say that same thing. If there's topics on the podcast that you want to hear about, we're more than happy if you email Randy or I on our uh, growgreat.com page, just shoot out. It doesn't have to be a a paragraph. Just say, can y'all talk about this? This is a real struggle for me. And we'll absolutely get it on a podcast because our goal is to help serve you serve others, uh, provide options that might grow your teams to be great as well. Um, grow you. Um, and we really just, we just really want to serve beyond self, right? Serve beyond self.
0: Thanks for watching and listening to grow great, a city government leadership podcast. For Lisa Norris, I'm Randy Cantrell. Be well, do good, grow great. The website is growgreat.com.